Hi everyone, Dave Hagen here. We've all driven by a payday or car title loan business in our town, especially lately. What goes on in there? That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey, thanks, Nick. I want to talk a little bit today about payday and car title loans because I see them advertised all over the place lately. Heck, you drive up and down the street and you see all these new businesses popping up offering payday loans or car title loans. I understand the market's almost a $100 billion industry already, and payday loans have grown substantially over the past couple of years. What is all this about? The simple answer is it's short-term, high-interest loans. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? A payday loan is a loan that you commonly take out for a very short period of time. For example, let's say that you need 500 bucks this week. You go to a payday lender and they'll lend you the 500 bucks, well, plus a fee for lending you the money as well. You then write a post-dated check for the day you plan to pay that loan back. Now, the day is usually your next payday. That's the term payday loan. In the event that you default on the loan, the lender can deposit the check, leaving you with a bounce check and bounce check fees and additional costs that the lender will most likely add on for your failure to pay. The borrower usually has the ability to defer the payment of the loan until the next payday or even the next payday after that. But that causes them to incur additional fees and additional interest. And as you can see, this loan can be detrimental to one's long-term financial well-being, if not paid back in time. But studies have shown that a large number of payday borrowers roll over their loans time and time again. Now, a car title loan is a little different. It's a loan that you take out when you're using your car as collateral in the event you don't pay on the loan. The amount of the loan is usually based on the car's value, like from the Kelly Blue Book side or something like that. The car must be owned, can't be involved in any financing or have any liens against it. It's got to be typically a fully paid off car. Car title loans typically carry an interest rate of anywhere from 25% to preposterous rates of as much as 100% or more. Although loans over 10% interest are considered usurious in many states, Payday lenders are often able to get around the usury laws and put the borrower in an unfortunate situation. When you take these rates and turn them into APRs, that's annual percentage rates, they can reach over 1,000% or more a year. This is crazy. If you fail to make your loan payments, the lender also has the ability to repossess your car at their discretion. This means that a towing company can legally show up and seize your car at any time without notifying you. This can be extremely damaging to people, especially those that require constant transportation for their business. Is this really legal? Well, yes, it is. Most people are unable to pay off their loans on time, thus having to roll them over and over and over. The lender can then charge another fee for not paying the loan or repossess the vehicle that the person has posted as collateral. If the lender takes it and then sells it at an auction and it doesn't bring enough to pay off the loan... Typically, in most states, the lender can then come after the debtor, the person who made the loan or borrowed the money, 
um, for the difference. It's called a deficiency judgment. Of course, these loans are very high interest rates. These rates are so high that most people believe that they would violate the California usury law. However, a, a person or company can make themselves exempt from these laws by filing a registration statement with the state and getting a license to do that. Again, is this legal? Again, yes, it is. Should there be some laws against this? Well, I think there should be, but that's just my opinion. Your views on this will ultimately depend on how you come down on your view of the role of government in our society. People can have very different opinions about this. Check this out. A client of mine got a loan, a car title loan, for $4,600 on a four-year repayment plan. The annual interest rate was 86%. Now, if you don't believe me, send me an email and I'll send you a copy of the contract with the names of the parties removed, of course. But by the end of the repayment term, my client was going to pay over $14,000 for this $4,600 amount of money that he borrowed. This is crazy. I can't imagine a situation where a person would knowingly borrow money on this basis, especially if they take the time to think it through. It's for this reason that many argue that these types of loans prey upon desperate people. Before you decide to take out a loan at any of these financial establishments, at least be sure that you can pay it off. Better yet, just don't borrow the money. Certainly, this can't be part of anyone's long-term financial plan for success. If you're stuck, really stuck, find a friend or family member to borrow money from. Also, if you're borrowing this type of money or even considering this type of money, you should probably spend some time thinking about why the money needed to be borrowed in the first place. You're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagen.com. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button in your app. You will automatically get a reminder each time Dave uploads a new episode. Or you can use the app to share this episode with your friends and family. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, Nick, hit me with an email. Hey Dave, so this one says, Dave, I'm in the market to buy a new computer. It seems like the big buzz these days is about a MacBook, but I'm not sure if I want to shell out $1,300 for a computer when I can get a Windows laptop for three to $500. What's your opinion on my predicament, Steve? Hmm, well Steve, this is sounds partially like the old uh, Mac versus PC argument. <laughs> it's been going back for years. And, you know, I, I remember I used to walk down the store at uh, or down the aisle at what, Comp USA or one of those places? And everything was all PC, but there was a little section for Mac. And everyone was saying, well, you know, Mac, that's, that's going to be gone pretty soon. That's going out of business. And then Steve Jobs went back to Apple and conquered the world. Um, I, I think a lot of it depends upon the software that you like. You know, I, I, everyone seems to acknowledge that uh, you really can't go wrong with a, a machine that's uh, built by uh, Apple and, and has... Uh, Apple operating software in it, but uh, um, you're, you're going to pay full price. Either one works the same. It's going to compute. It's going to give you the same kind of output. Apple's a little easier to use, but man, you, you pay, you pay a lot. Now I got to tell you, I just bought a, what did I get? I got uh what'd you, what'd you get Dave? Yeah, I got a, uh, what was it? A, a Lenovo, um, which used to be ThinkPad or, or 
think something. It was like IBM, I IB, think. IBM, yeah, IBM. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what I paid for it, uh, 13, 1400 bucks. The thing just, the thing just screams. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it works. It's fine. It's great. It's fast. You know, it's got a recent chip. Um, it was a lot cheaper than a, um, uh, you know, than an Apple machine would be, but, uh, my kids both have Apple machines and those are, you know, easy to use and, uh, they're great machines. I've never been able to get uh, used to it just because of the, the little red, yellow, and green button. It's in the wrong place to close out the window or whatever, but it's weird how you get used to that stuff. Well, Dave, I think you need to start calling it a laptop before you can get used to it. <laughs> so what do I call it? You call it machine. <laughs> oh, well, okay. So it's a laptop. I mean, they're almost passe at this point. I, I do a lot of work on the, um, uh, you, you know, on my iPad. Yeah. Well, I mean, at Speaking of iPad, I mean, I, I think that this is a typical argument. That's like the new uh, Android versus iPhone. You know, it's typical. Do you want to go Mac or what used to be Macintosh? Now it's Apple. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, my opinion on this is that I personally have a MacBook. I will never go back to a um, a, a Windows uh, operating system just because I find it very compatible to my needs. It's very simple. I, I am used to the red and green button as well as the yellow in the middle. And for the money, it's just, it's very efficient and it, it really hits my needs. That it, No, and, it, and it's easy to set up. Um, you know, it's, it's got air share capabilities so you can share it up to an Apple TV and put it up on a screen. Um, you know, it connects real easy. You can use your phone to uh, act as a as a modem, if anyone remembers what that means anymore. <laughs> and, um, no, they're very handy, but boy, you're going to pay, you're going to pay full price. And, um, you know, I'm kind of a bargain shopper. I don't like to think of myself as a, a cheapy guy, but uh, I'm definitely a bargain shopper. Frugal. And, yeah. Well, I've stayed with, you know, I've stayed with IBM. So that's, that's my best, uh, my best uh, advice on that. All right. Should we take another one? Sure. Sure. So this one says, Hey Dave, <clears throat> I just found out my max credit score is 580. Should I hire a credit repair company to clean it up? Hmm. Well, here's my thinking about that. Um, why? I don't know. I mean, you I, tell you me. Know, <laughs> why? You know, what, what, what's the need? Um, you know, is there, is there a car that needs to be purchased? Is there a home that needs to be purchased? Or not maybe not needs, but wants to be purchased? Um, you know, why? I think that... Um, we're very much oversold on this concept of, of good credit in our society. The credit card reporting agencies, the credit card companies, financial industry have done a really good job at selling us on this idea that if, um, you know, you don't have a great credit score, you're going to be thrown out into the street and you're not going to be able to get life insurance and you're not going to be able to buy a nice car, et cetera, et cetera. You, you, you can. It's a little more difficult. But why? Why? And, and then I guess the second question I ask is, well, why is it so bad? Um, you know, 580 is not, not that good. And what caused it to be so bad? Maybe we need to do some thinking about what's the root cause of that bad credit. Was there time where income was missing and there wasn't enough emergency fund? Or was there some time where some car got repossessed or somebody was out of work? I mean, I, I don't know. But I think that's something that that needs to be um, you know needs to be thought about um, as well. Um, with respect to credit repair, there's a big difference between credit repair and what I like to call credit rehabilitation. Credit repair goes out and and they have different techniques that they use, but their traditional technique is they send out a dispute letter. Um, they look at your credit, and if there's something bad. 
They send a letter out to the reporting companies and they say, this isn't correct. Please correct it or delete it. And then the credit reporting company has to send the request for verification out to the uh, individual or the entity that put the bad credit on the report. And if they don't do that within a certain amount of days, the credit reporting agencies will then take it off the credit. So this is kind of a game. It's a game that's set up by statute with stuff uh, and laws that they've enacted in Washington. The problem that I have is that a lot of times we're denying something on the credit report that we know is true. And so we're playing the game, but coming from a place of untruth. And I, I don't feel good about that. I don't think that that's fair. Now, if there's something that's wrong, if the number of lates is incorrect, or if the days late is incorrect, or if it was settled and it doesn't show that, well, that needs to be corrected. And if the creditor is too lazy to respond on time, it should come off. Fair enough. That's playing that whole little game from a point of truth. But to deny it and send out a denial letter initially on everything or every bad thing that might have actually been true, I, I'm not comfortable with that. Well, I think that's because you have good ethics, Dave. <clears throat> well, you know, I mean, <laughs> I just look at it as trying to do the right thing, you know? Yeah, I agree. Now, I think there's a very different thing that's done with credit rehabilitation. Credit rehabilitation is different. That involves looking at the credit report, sending out a dispute letter on anything that's inaccurate. Fair enough. If the creditor verifies it, it stays. If the creditor doesn't verify, it falls off. Again, if they're too lazy to play the game, I think that's, that's fair. So first, the first step for a credit rehabilitation system is to get the incorrect stuff off your credit. And some, some reports have indicated that as much as 30%, 40% of the stuff on any one particular person's credit report is, is inaccurate. I mean, think about it. All these things are, are great big repositories of data. I think of them as big trash bins. And the creditors just dump this stuff in there, and it comes up on your report. And you're supposed to look at it and make sure that it's correct. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. And there's going to be a lot of inaccuracies in, in a situation or a, a system that, that works that way. But it's up to us to clean it up. You can get a free copy of your credit card or your credit report like, what, once every year or something. Get a free copy. Take a look at it. It takes forever to read it. It's like reading your paycheck. The, the pay advice that comes with your paycheck, you can barely read what's on there. And figuring it out. And if anything's incorrect, getting it corrected. I'll tell you something that's very common um, these days. When someone files a, a bankruptcy, that debt is discharged, assuming the bankruptcy goes through a lot of the credit reporting agencies continue to show that debt as being due. Now, it affects your credit rating a lot more if it's still due as opposed to being discharged in a bankruptcy. And it keeps people's TRW ranking or their credit rating low for a long period of time. And so we encourage everyone to, you know, our clients to take a look at that and make sure that that inaccuracy isn't there, that it's cleaned up and that, it, that it's made um, accurate. So I think that a credit report can be repaired in a couple years like this, especially if you get rid of the false stuff and then you get maybe a credit card with a couple hundred dollar limit and you charge and pay, charge and pay, charge and pay. Um, one of the few times that I might even advise someone to consider getting a credit card. And that way the new credit history kind of covers up 
kind of supplants uh, the the old stuff that's still there that was accurate. And two to three years, I've got clients getting A minus credit qualifying for loans at reasonable rates. Um, actually doing very well. So that's what I would recommend, some kind of credit rehabilitation. You don't have to pay somebody to do that. You know, these credit repair places uh, make a lot of money. Yeah. Tell, showing people how to, or doing this for people. And Dave, I was just thinking, you know, um, some of our listeners might be thinking <laughs> the same thing, but let's just say there is something on your credit report. How long does it take to come off? Well, it depends whether they respond. It de- you know, there's a whole series of letters that you got to write. You got to stay on it. And yeah. it could take six, seven, eight months. It could take two to three years of the new credit on top of the old stuff to, you know, really kind of push the the remaining bad stuff off. So it's a period of time. But unless you've got some specific urgent need, which was my first question, why? Right. Well, you you got some time. You've got some ability to to do that. You don't and you don't even have to pay anyone. It's just looking at it, paying attention, and being a little bit more Alert. deliberate about it. Yeah. And then people, if they want to go out and you know buy a car. Um, and I, I'm not recommending that people finance a car, but if they do, they're going to get a little bit of a, a better rate. I had a guy approach me uh, last week at a national uh, 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 a national group, and, and he was saying that he can get a car for, finance a car, basically, for someone right out of a bankruptcy. Now, that uh, that's a pretty tough loan to do that. Someone's got a pretty bad credit score, and he's able to write paper, so good for him. And there's some people that are going to really need a car, and we'll, we'll take him up on that. But it's also a very, very tough thing to be making payments on an asset that's depreciating. You know, I, I advise people, hang hang on to your car if you can. If it's working and it's, there's not too much in terms of repairs, hang on to that. Because those, those are the gravy years in your transportation spending plan. Those are the years where you're not going to have so much that you need to pay out, and you can uh, put money in other places. So... Um, that's what I would recommend. That's what I would recommend. All right, Dave. Well, uh, do we have time for one more? No, no. I think we've got to cut it short. You know, we, we promised our listeners that we try and keep it to yeah, around 20 minutes and it, it feels like that's about what it's been. So I think that we should, uh, we should wrap that up. All right. Hey, but check this out. Next time we're going to talk about this. I got in the mail a black credit card application. Big spender. Dude, I have made it. I'm not a big spender. I don't know what they're thinking, but I got the black credit card. It is beautiful. I'm so tempted to apply for it. Not only it is a black card, it's got metal and it's got carbon fiber built into the car. This thing is a beauty. I cannot wait to listen in. We're going to take a look at the terms and conditions and we're going to really think about, is this a good idea or not? So tune in uh, next time. This is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagan.com. Until next week, this is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.